eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Kim Grinnell to dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, emergency podcast with the news that John Donovan, the offensive coordinator at University of Washington, has been, I don't know, what do you want to call it? Relieved of duties, fired, let go. What do you call it, Chris? That's what they said, relieved of duties. I would say fired, but who cares? At yeah. that point, he's he's no longer getting a paycheck at Washington. That's I don't that's know that you know where, what I have heard is Junior Adams will take over play calling responsibilities. I don't know that that means he has been elevated to offensive coordinator. I do know that he will be calling the plays and Peyton McCollum, the GA, he'll be uh, elevated up to the staff and working with the quarterbacks and. Um, Let's deal with the John Donovan stuff first, and then we will get into the Jimmy Lake situation. But um, I don't know. Too little, too late with John Donovan. I mean, after the Montana game, I thought it was pretty obvious that some changes needed to be made. And uh, same thing over and over and over again for every game so far this year. Yeah. I mean, it's just uh, it's been disappointing. And outside of the, the Arkansas State game, it was interesting because – you know, he moved up to the box right before that game. Then they put 52 on him and everyone's like, Oh, okay. Well, that's because he moved up to the box. Well, now we're, now we're, you know, finding out pretty quickly that Arkansas state is literally the worst defense in all of FBS. And it's not even close. I mean, I think they're giving up about 90 to 95 more yards per game than the next worst offense out of a hundred and third defense out of 130 teams. It's it's so crazy how bad Arkansas State is. So yeah, yeah it just it's it just hasn't gotten any better. And and um, you know, sixteen seventeen points a game just is never going to cut it at, at at a at a power five level. You know, Scott. You know, it's, I've always been big on, and we all have been. Okay, this is what happens, but what does it mean? Does this really have an impact? Because now what? Yeah, I I don't know how much it's going to impact things with only three games left to go, and and your players are your players, and what are you going to do? Dr- install some new offense? No, you're not. You're probably you might tweak yours a little bit, but I mean this offense is what it is, and you know maybe the play calls could be a little bit different. I don't necessarily think the plays are terrible. I think it's it's more when they're calling plays and why are they calling them, and and what's the down and distance and all those different things, you know, what running it, there were a couple times, you know, Washington gets a big play. We mentioned it last night on the podcast, but Washington gets a big play, gets a first down. And then all of a sudden 
they get in running formation and everybody knows exactly what they're going to do. They run it right, left, and, and they're, or, you know, they run it le- uh, to the left and, and, uh, Sean McGrew gets stopped for a one yard gain. And, and that now you're in second and long, which you don't want to be in. So, you know, I don't know. And, and, you know, I think Dylan Morris looks like a deer in headlights. How much is it going to impact him? Is it going to mean, st- is Junior Adams, if he really is the play caller and decision maker, is he going to be the one advocating for Sam Heward to start instead of, instead of Sam Heward? So, or, uh, Dylan, is Dylan Morris going to start instead of Sam Heward? So, you know, I, I don't know. I, it, it's so convoluted. It's, it's, it's like, I've always believed that, Hey, your team is what it is from the beginning of the season. And even if you change some coaching staff stuff and all that, it's not going to change that much until you get into another year. So I, I don't think things are going to look much different over the next three weeks, but maybe the play calling is a little different. I don't know. And Chris, I think one of the most overrated thing fans just look at an offensive coordinator or somebody who calls plays, but that's just. So much, uh, you know, so little of what's really going on is designing an offense, getting the blocking schemes, getting the route running trees, getting the running schemes. It's designing an offense to attack a defense. It's developing a game plan, getting all the scouting reports together. And like I said, you know, you've got the plays that are in the playbook. It's not like you're going to drastically change this offense right now. And, okay, you've got a list of plays that you can call, but it's still the offense that they've got. And how much difference is it really going to make? Yeah, to me, it's like putting a Band-Aid on a massive head wound. Um, it's in the end, it's it's window dressing. It's um, it's changing it's the Band-Aid, you know, something. from a Flintstones it's, to a Ghostbusters. Essentially, it's just going to appease the people that think something has to happen. And you're right. I mean, again, you know, they had an entire off season, full spring, full fall, to create this offensive identity, to progress, to evolve, and like Scott said. Dylan Morris has regressed. The offensive line has massively regressed. The running backs have massively regressed. Tight ends, yeah, I mean, Dylan, I mean, Kate Otten massively regressed. Um, the only, the only group that probably has any sort of, uh, standing on the offense at this point would be the receivers and kind of hit and miss even with them at this point. So, yeah, Junior Adams may call different plays. He may have a different style of what he wants to call and things like that, but they're not going to change who they are. They are who they are. They, 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 they are, they can't do it because they've put in almost a whole year's worth of practice and off season work to get to this point. And as bad as it is, they literally can't just pull out, you know, cause I think a lot of people kind of remember the, the option stuff with Tui and, and Pat Conniff and how they were literally coaching the coaches on how to run that stuff. I don't think you're going to be seeing anything like Dylan Morris trying to explain how to run a certain style of offense to Junior Adams and to Scott Huff. And you know what I mean? It's just that's not in these guys right now. Basically, this is just survival, plain and simple. This is just survival. Yeah, and everything I've heard, Scott, is the players really like John Donovan. And I've also heard that Jimmy's put his fingers in the offensive game plan, which I don't understand. And, you know, this thing's just a complete mess right now. But firing John Donovan, I really don't see it's doing something to do something is what it seems like to me. There's three games left. And how can you change the offense? And we'll get into the Jimmy Lake situation. But right now, this thing is just a mess. Yes. I, I mean, we've. 
I feel like I feel like that emoji with the person standing over the dead horse. Yeah, it is. It's a mess. It's not good. And uh, we haven't seen this kind of uh, despair among the fan base since 2008. Hopefully things change. Well, here's the other thing to think about, guys. Let's say things do change. Let's say, you know, Junior Adams turns out to be an excellent play caller. I mean, he is he has offensive coordinator experience. Well, I think, what was it, like Western Kentucky or wherever he was? And wasn't he let go midway through a season? Exactly. No, but I mean, that's the thing. But these guys aren't bad coaches. They just, you know, they may be in bad situations or they may just be put in situations that aren't going to um, suit their strengths. But let's say a guy like Junior Adams becomes a, a good play caller for the last three games of the season. They get bowl eligible. Maybe they get to a bowl game, whatever. You know, let's say a guy like Peyton McCollum all, all of a sudden starts to blossom and gets something out of Dylan Morris. Um, then it really begs the question, why didn't that happen earlier? I mean, it's, it's really a no-win situation for, um, for Lake and for the other offensive coaches because if, if something does happen, then people are going to scream from the rooftops why it didn't happen earlier. And if nothing happens, if it just stays the same, then everyone's going to be like, yeah, that was a ridiculous, there was no reason to fire him in the first place. So yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know any scenario, honestly, where Lake comes out of this looking like he made the right decision because the time, it's either going to be the timing should have happened earlier or it was just simply like we said before, it's window dressing. It's it's changing the Band-Aid on a head wound that's that's bleeding heavily. Three games left in the regular season. Possibility of a bowl game if they win at least two games, possibly three. So you've got three games left. Possibility of four. You have played. Um, you have played. Uh, <laughs> why am I spacing all of a sudden? You've played Sam Heward in two games, which means he can play two more games. Is there any scenario in which you see they go ahead and take that red shirt off of Sam Heward? Absolutely. You know why? He's not going to be here in five years, Kim. Yeah. He's not going to be at the University of Washington in five years. He's either going to be so good, like he's going to get in there, he's going to be so good, he's going to leave before that, or he's going to transfer. And I just, there's no reason not to play him. How about you, Chris? Do you see any scenario in which they just rip unless off? I should say the caveat being unless you just don't think he's ready and and would hurt them more than Dylan Morris is is not helping them. Do you see any scenario in which they do that? Sure. I think the main scenario that I see is if Morris unfortunately gets injured and they think that that Sam Heward gives them the best opportunity to win over Patrick O'Brien. It's that simple. I mean, if if something bad happens to Dylan Morris in the meantime. Then they, and the next man up happens to be Sam Heward and was always going to be Sam Heward in that case. Then it doesn't matter if there's three games left or if there was five games left or seven games left. Um, that's the main scenario I can see, but I, I think Scott's right too. It's just bottom line is that it just really comes down to whether or not, um, you know, anyone can trust what Jimmy Lake was saying in terms of trying to get Sam Heward some series. Trying to get him some snaps. He was talking about it against Utah. He talked to, or Arizona. He talked about it after the Arizona game. And yet, you know, curiously enough, we haven't, we haven't heard anything about that since. And I don't, I don't really understand where that talk went either because the way it, it seemed was implied was that it was kind of always on the table. It wasn't just like a one game, let's give it a shot thing. And then all of a sudden he had to go in for the one series. When, uh, when Dylan got the bloody nose and then all of a sudden that was it. You saw him for like what? 
five plays. That five was it. Plays, five plays. Yeah. And, and and so it was four, four handoffs. Yeah, the whole thing was just extremely unusual. I mean, extremely unusual. So, yeah, I, I, I see a scenario where it happens for sure. I don't think it's going to happen uh, because they clearly have shown an avoidance of trying to play Sam Heward. They, you know, Jimmy has been extremely stubborn about it when asked about it, which I think is part of the reason why the media just doesn't ask him about it anymore, because I think we're already kind of assuming what we expect the answer to be. So I think that's that's just part of that. Elephant in the room, you know, John Donovan, I think, was the easy call. But uh, what to do with Jimmy Lake right now? The incident last night on the sideline, second bad look in a week and not a good representation of the University of Washington. And I'm sure that uh, the people who don't care a lot about football are OK with football as long as it's not uh, a blemish on the university. And the comments Jimmy made on Monday and then the incident last night uh, with uh, going after a player. Just not, not good. Um, so we're going to have to wait and see what happens with that. Uh, I was right behind the bench when the altercation or whatever you want to call it happy uh, happened. And, uh, Jimmy post game asked about it. Um, it was on a kickoff return, wasn't it, Scott? Uh, kickoff yeah. or punt. I think yeah, it was, it was a kickoff, a kid, no, it was so, yeah. kickoff return. It was the, it was after, um, Oregon scored their first points via the field goal and they were kicking into the wind. And so it was a short kick and, um, J- Giles Jackson let it bounce and then he took it and went immediately towards the Washington sideline. And that's where Fuavai was, got caught up kind of, in, he got tangled up with Jalen Red, took him down right on the sideline and was getting up. And they obviously had a little altercation and he was backing up and, you know, Scott Huff was literally right there and the line judge was right there and nothing was going on that needed their attention. I mean, Huff was almost kind of looking in, in different directions because there was nothing going on there that would have really required his atten- immediate attention. And then all of a sudden you see Jimmy Lake sprinting from the left-hand side, like a good seven, eight, nine yards, just sprinted in well after it to kind of like clean up this thing that really was a non-issue to begin with. So it was just very, it was just very odd. The stuff that we saw on the sidelines that led to this incident, I mean, it's nothing, I mean, we see it all the time, you know, and it looked like it had ended. And I, all of a sudden I saw Jimmy just coming over and Jimmy's explanation was he was breaking up the skirmish between the Oregon player and the Washington player, but yeah, that's not what I saw. I saw Jimmy just absolutely he wasn't thinking, I hate to say I can say what he's thinking, but it sure didn't look like breaking up a skirmish was on his mind. To me, it looked like he was incredibly pissed off that it was going on and he just lost it because he was worried about something getting called and he went after his player. It wasn't a good look. I remember seeing that. And I almost texted you guys, but things, you know, just got a little too hectic. I just remember saying, thinking to myself, if that got caught on camera, it's going to get ugly. And I'm actually surprised that it was caught on camera. I was actually really surprised it was caught on camera. But from my point of view, as close as I was to it, that had nothing to do with him breaking up the interaction between the Washington player and the Oregon player. 
it had to do with an overheated emotional coach who was incredibly pissed off at his player and it had nothing to do with breaking it up. That's from my vantage point. And I'm trying to interpret what's going through, uh, you know, Jimmy Lake's mind, but as close as I was to it. And then you take a look at the TV copy about what you saw. And I think it was more anger directed at a player than it was in breaking anything up. And, uh, yeah, I think he just, he lost it. He just absolutely lost it. So. Well, yeah, to me, it's the difference between seeing what a player, you know, what a player is doing right there in front of you and what you see from a player 10 yards away and what you think is going on. Whereas, like I said, literally there are, there were coaches and, and referees right there ready to break anything up. If there was ever an issue and those guys, they didn't move because there was nothing going on. And Fuavai, you could see clearly is backing up to the sideline, getting out of the play, getting out of the way. And so it's just like, you know, it's so much to do about nothing on the one hand. And he turned it into an absolute event, you know, must see TV for all the wrong reasons. It's just, yeah, again, this was a situation where Jimmy Lake, was micromanaging a situation that he should have had absolutely nothing to do with. You've got to train your coaches in that situation to take the bullet for you or or deal with it for you, whether it's Tim Saha, whether it's Scott Huff, whether it's someone else. Like I was thinking about it last night and and you know, who who was the uh the longtime DC uh Brent Venables for Clemson, right? He's probably is he still there? I can't remember. But I, I remember that I thought that there was an assistant for Clemson, whose job was literally to pull Brent Venables off the sidelines if he ever decided like he was going to go on the field, which was like every play when their defense was on the field. And they had that for Nick Holt up here. It was, yeah. Uh, I mean, wasn't Ivan had, the guy who was supposed to keep track of Yeah, Ivan Lewis. Yeah. yeah. They, they had designated guys to deal with those types of situations if they knew the coach well enough and his personality and he was so fiery and competitive that they could run the risk of him going on the sideline and, and maybe creating a penalty or, or something. Yeah. And, and, and just, and, and for Jimmy Lake to do what he did, like you said, Kim, it goes back to the, this, this classic idea of he just, he was lashing out and you don't lash out as a head coach like that unless you know you're in trouble and you're under serious pressure. And, I've that, been, and that shows, that showed so, yeah. so much last night. It was incredible. I'm on the sidelines. I mean, since we started this in 1997, and I'd say 98% of the games that have occurred since 1997, I've been on the sidelines. I've never seen a um, – I mean, I've I've seen Sark light some guys up, but never lay hands on anybody. And, you know, players get lit up all the time by the coaches, but putting your hands on a player – um, yeah, that's crossing a line and, um, it's kind of like I always say, um, when you see something happen, is that the first time you know, a guy who gets a DUI, you know, he's done it before. And, you know, is this something that Jimmy Lake has been known to do? I haven't seen it, but it definitely was an ugly, ugly situation. And I've never seen any coach lay hands on a player like that I don't, you know scott have you ever seen that not in person but i saw lou holtz grab a guy by a face mask 
and really give him the what for. Obviously, there's the Woody Hayes thing with when he punches a player on the opposing team. You know, there's been other things, but yeah, it, it, it I mean, that, that kind of reminded me of Bobby Knight a little bit, just how out of control he was. And, um, that isn't the Jimmy I know. You know, usually he's a lot more measured and, and controlled than that. So he snapped. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you, Chris, and probably you, Kim, that, um, that, uh, he's feeling the pressure and, and isn't handling it well. What happens to Jimmy Lake? I mean, what happens now? Um, I mean, from everything I'm hearing and those I'm talking to, I don't think he's going to get fired today. Um, down the road, we will see. I've heard rumors of a possible suspension, but there are state laws. There's contract language. And from my understanding, if there is a suspension, that you have to do it the correct way. Um, and there possibly could be an appeal process if you are suspended, which would delay a suspension and put things into limbo. So um, I don't know. You know, and if Jimmy Lake was to be relieved of his duties with John Donovan being relieved of his duties today, um Boy, that really puts him in a bind. So, and it's not like there's a logical successor. I mean, there's barely a logical successor for an offensive coordinator on the staff, let alone a head coach being replaced and having a logical successor. So, um, it's something definitely to keep an eye on. I think we'll have some news probably a little bit later tonight on what's going to happen with Jimmy. I don't expect them to get fired. Um, that's where I would hedge my bet right now. Could it possibly happen? Anything could possibly happen. I just don't see it happening, uh, at this point. Uh, what about you, Chris? Yeah, I think when you make a move like this, um, a lot of people are going to look at it. Like we said before, it's, it's, it's kind of a non event event. It's a, it's, I think someone called it rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic, which is a, Fair analogy. I think that that's, it, it, it doesn't really solve any issues other than it, it just is kind of a, it's kind of a head fake toward Lake, you know, getting on the phones and starting to think very long and hard about how he wants to rearrange this offense in the offseason. Um, the offense is done for 2021. It's done. I mean, I'll give all the credit in the world to Junior Adams, Peyton McCollum, whoever else has to kind of pick up the pieces from here on out. They're in an impossible situation because they're they're on short terms. They're they're not Peyton McCollum's not going to be the the full time quarterbacks coach, and if he is, then I don't understand any of this. So um, yeah, with Lake, it just feels like it's the next step in what he has to do. Uh, in order to, to get that second chance, a la Mike Hopkins, uh, we'll see if he makes it that far because, you know, we were still thinking all this stuff was going to happen, guys. And this was well before any of the stuff that happened during the Oregon game. So I am not, I am, I am not thinking that Lake is done at all in terms of off, off the field stuff, on the field stuff, uh, quotable quotes with the, you know, academic, academically prowess, uh, schools, uh, 
you know, he, he could come up with just some real whoppers here from now until the end of the season and maybe give Jen Cohen absolutely no choice but to fire him. Um, yeah, we still, we still, I guess what was the, what was the thing that we were talking about a month from now? You know, there's a lot of season left to go. They would always talk about how much football there was left to play. Well, they got three games at least. Uh, not a lot of football left guys, but there's still plenty of opportunities for him to, um, to, to, to put his foot in it, to step in it and, um, make Jen Cohen's job fairly easy. Yeah, Scott, you know how this works. I mean, the upper campus pretty much keeps their hands off the football team. You know, they come around to get the press clippings when things are going good. But when things are going bad and you make the university look bad and you do it twice in a week, this isn't going to go. This isn't going to fly very well on upper campus. Yeah. Yeah. Those people don't have a lot of tolerance for stuff that they don't care that much about. And now I'm having to work at it and, and do it. No, I there's there's no way I'm putting up with this anymore. Just take care of it, Jen. That's your job. So. Yeah, no, and uh, I mean, as of right now, you know, it's four o'clock, and we're recording this podcast. I, from my understanding, there's nothing. There's not a decision being made on uh, Jimmy Lake. I think there's a lot of what do you want to call it. I think there's a lot of stuff going on in the background to see what can be done, and if it can be done, how it could be done. And I, I don't know if I've said this yet on the podcast, but there's a big difference in dealing with a guy who's making $3 million a year versus $30,000 a year. You really got to be careful and make sure that you're doing things in the right way. So um, as of now, I would say there's not a chance tonight that Jimmy Lake would be fired unless some things change, unless, you know, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, just uh, not a good situation. And. I sure as heck didn't see us being in this position at the beginning of the year. I saw this being a pretty good football team. So anyways, why don't we wrap this up? Yeah, and how dare we think that, Kim? Oh my gosh. You're an idiot, Scott. You're an idiot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just, but I I mean, some of these people who want to blame us, first of all, they didn't go out and see the team during the spring and summer. We did. Uh, how come everybody who watched them thought they were going to be good? Uh, you know, everybody expected this team to be a pretty darn good football team and challenged for the Pac-12 North. And ironically, as bad as they've been, they if they win last night, they're in the they're in the driver's seat for the Pac-12 North. And um yeah, I I don't know why people have to turn on us when we're just giving you our observations on this. People need to be angry at some, people need to have an enemy and if they don't have one, they find one and if they can't well, find one, they don't invent post one for yeah. a little while because you look stupid. Yeah. So. Well, more and more to the point, the more to the point, guys. Um, the one thing that Jimmy Lake did that I will applaud him every single time for is the fact that he gave the fans and the media plenty of opportunities in spring and fall to watch these guys, and not just watch them, but watch them scrimmage. Yeah. So don't you didn't have to take our word for it. <laughs> you had no, you never had to worry about taking our word for it. You didn't have to listen to Mike Varell. You didn't have to listen to Christian Capel. You didn't have to listen to any of the people in the media. Didn't have to listen to Softy. Didn't have to listen to us. You could have gone out there and watched for yourself and made your own assumptions and decisions about what you thought was going to happen. Yep. yep. Let's wrap it up, Chris, so we can get this out in a timely manner. Any quick, anything quickly you want to add? No, other than I, I, I think I've been pretty much on the record. Um, talked about it last night after the game too, that, you know, if you're, if you're going to go this route and you're going to try to fire John Donovan, um, you know, what has Jimmy Lake shown? that he's capable of hiring the right guy the second time around. 
Um, so I, I really, really am curious as, as to how Jen Cohen's going to, uh, treat this going forward and, and the process, if they try to suspend him, anything like that, it's going to be a very, very busy week. And oh, by the way, they're playing Arizona State in a week. If, if in case anyone's care, anyone cares to know about that. And their coach is in hot water. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. yeah, anyway, much different both, reasons. Yeah, yeah for both, those who, both coaches could be gone by, by, you know, by, you know, two months from now. So we'll see. Uh, and, and for those who are just listening to the podcast and don't go to dogman.com regularly, the good stuff's on the hardcore football message boards. We've been talking about this since early this morning, and the stuff I put out early this morning was pretty much right on, so stuff is still to be determined. So, um, you know, if you're not a subscriber, subscribe now because this could be an interesting couple of months. Also, if you're looking for those breaking news alerts as well as daily updates, shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter. We will get you hooked up. Again, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter. I expect more breaking news to be coming in the next weeks and possibly even tonight. So for all of us at dogman.com, by the way, thanks, you guys, for work uh, working so hard. Long night last night with a 4.30 kickoff, and we were all up really late. We were up early and uh, looks like we're probably going to be up late again thank god for uh daylight savings i'll tell you (laughs) for all of us at dogman.com i'm kim grenolds along with chris fetters and scott eckland go dogs okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.